This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is brought to you by The Provider. The Provider's mission is to help everyone enjoy a well-seasoned meal no matter where they are or what they're cooking. They currently offer 12 unique dry rubs, an incredible wing sauce, and a number one selling cookbook, all designed to elevate the flavor of any dish. Their rubs come in airtight containers that keep them fresh and flavorful for a long time. And unlike other rubs that can be overpowering or too salty, the provider's rubs strike the perfect balance of flavors. The cookbook, co-written by hunting enthusiasts Chad Belding and Chad Mendez, is a work of art with incredible photos by Tom Rastachin and stories of people hunting and providing. It's so beautiful you'll want to sit down and appreciate every single page. It's packed with recipes and designed specifically for wild game and domestic meats, making it the perfect addition to any cook's arsenal. Head over to theproviderlife.com. With new additions every week, the website is a treasure trove of free cooking tutorials, provider tips, and unique recipes that will help you take your culinary skills to the next level. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the kitchen, the provider has something for everyone. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you by Oakley. Guys, let's be real. The world is your playground and you need the right gear to conquer it. That's why you need a pair of Oakley sunglasses. With Oakley, you'll have the clarity, protection, and style you need to take on any adventure. Oakley's commitment to quality, innovation, and authenticity means you can trust your eyes are in good hands. Head over to oakley.com to find your perfect pair. You said your wife is headed to Vegas. Uh, do you like Vegas, Cody Jinks? Are you a Vegas fan? Love it. Love, love, love Are Vegas, you a gambler? Man. Yeah, I uh, I love I love playing blackjack. I'm, I'm not I'm not like a I don't I don't play a lot of uh, different games. Like I don't know how to play poker at all. Um, I'm not a roulette guy or craps guy or anything like that. But man, I'll I'll sit at a blackjack table all night. Now, do you study blackjack or are you just like go for it or do you play by the book and the rules, especially when you're at a table with strangers and you're just sitting down in Vegas? Um, do you play like, you know, you always split H, you split aces, you don't hit a hard 16, all that kind of stuff. Do you play by the book? I like to see how everybody else is playing. And I'm, I'm very much the guy at the table that goes, hey, I'm not the smartest guy at the table. So, uh if I'm about to make a stupid mistake, man, somebody be like, Hey dude, don't do that or whatever, you know, or you look at everybody else's cards. Cause like, you know, that's what I tell people too, especially younger blackjack players too, you know, it's like, it's a team sport, man. We're all playing against the dealer. What's the biggest hand you've ever bet. If it's not too personal, I've seen like $75,000 <laughs> hands when I'm walking through no. Vegas. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I do like to gamble and I've got a lot of vices. Gambling isn't one of them. Um, Biggest hand at one time, probably two or three grand at once. Oh, that's, that's still pretty but that's, stout. I mean, that's that's a lot of money, bro. You know, I remember, you know, um, I remember not having two or three dollars in my life many times. But uh, I understand, you know, two or three thousand dollars is a pretty big hand. But I've only done that like once. And uh, usually if, if a hand starts getting up in the four or five hundred range, that's what I usually kind of tap out. Are you a... Are you a scared gambler? The reason I don't do it, I'm born and raised in Reno, so I, and I went to college at UNLV in Vegas. Are you a scared gambler? The reason I don't do it is because I don't want to lose 20 bucks to something that's just going to build another big-ass casino. Do you get scared? Do you get hesitant? Or are you a competitive guy that goes all in? No, I'm not scared, but I'm also not really the competitive guy that goes all in. I'm, I look at it like I'm paying for my, uh, paying for my, my entertainment essentially you know people go to vegas to go see uh 
you know, well, my wife's going to see the Dixie Chicks tonight with her sister and uh, and, and and a friend. And, uh, you know, so people go do things like that. People go to Vegas to see the shows. People go to Vegas to, you know, uh, do the thing. Um, I figure my gambling is like paying for entertainment, man. If I sit down and lose four or $500, I'm going to spend that going to see Tom Jones or whatever, or ZZ Top or something, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, but I don't, I just, I don't gamble that much. I probably, I'm one of those guys, like if I'm going to go sit down at a table, I'll take, I'll take two or three grand. And, uh, when it's gone, it's gone. I, or if you win, you win. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, I mean, it's, it's done after that. And in my lifetime sitting at tables, I'm probably about even brother, to be honest with you. So you said a concert your wife's going to see tonight that is not going to be labeled what you term them as on the billboard. <laughs> Will they always be the Dixie oh. chicks to Cody G's? I, I didn't even think about that, man. I did. Yeah. It's hard to. It's man, it's hard to to get that out of my. Mind. It doesn't bother me that they're the chicks now. I don't, I don't, I couldn't really care less. And I don't think my wife and sister in law and their friend really cares either. They're going to jam out, but Dixie chicks, chicks, whatever, man. You know, they're always going to be the Dixie chicks in my mind. As far as we had this discussion a year ago, a year or so ago, and part of our discussion was female artists. As far as raw talent goes, songwriting and harmony and putting together a great country music album weren't they awesome or what is your opinion about their overall music before all of the politics came into it? I think they're, they're one of the best bands to ever grace country music. If you want to be, I mean, I'm not, I don't have any reason to kiss their ass. I, I, you know, I don't have any reason to kiss anybody's ass, but they're, they're, they're badass. When they came out, man, everybody was like, Whoa, Whoa. These, these ladies are killer, man. They're great instrumentalists. They're fantastic performers. They're fantastic songwriters. They're a real band. They, you know, they, it's, that was a real band. And, uh, you know, that's what you respect in this business. Do, Do you, do you consider like, as far as like originality, like you have very original skills when it comes to songwriting and the way that you, the way that you possess the stage, you've developed a cult following when you think of country music today, um, it's almost like it's a, a cookie cutter deal to me. Like, did it end? Did it end, Cody, in the in the late eighties and the early nineties, all through nineties country? Did the real time of country music end? Besides guys like you, or is there still some troubadours out there that are are keeping it real on the? I I, I don't even know what you call it. Is it the commercial scene? Is it the Nashville scene? Or is there any real? Is there any realism? left in country music or country music radio in your opinion uh there's there's country music left and, and true country music never went away um you know it's kind of like the punk scene or the metal scene or whatever you're not seeing you're not hearing a lot of the the really good young punk bands or metal bands or whatever kind of genre specific you want to be i do believe that country specifically on the commercial side took a harder nosedive than anybody else did um, I, it, was it dissolved in the late nineties? That's when, well, late nineties, early two thousands, when you started really seeing the awful, awful music, um, showing up being, you know, under the guise of being country music. Um, but guys like me were always out there and girls like me were always out there. And, and, um, you know, I, I think that, that 
true music's always going to be there no matter what. It's just, is it going to be commercial? If so, when, you know, and I've, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I think timing has a lot to do with it. I think if I was 10 years older or 10 years younger, um, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I would have been too early or too late um, just for my, my, my particular situation. But you're always going to have true music out there. And you're seeing it now um, with uh, Aaron Viancourt's and Josh Malloy's and Charles Wesley's. And uh, I could go on and name you five, five more young artists that, thank God, you know, are, are coming in and doing it the right way and writing great songs. And it's important to them to go out and tour on those songs. And uh, they're not just trying to make records to make records. They're trying to make great records. When you, you have success on, on all kinds of levels in this music, in my opinion, one of the things that you did last year that was huge was the event in Ohio with Luke Combs. Talk to me a little bit about that. Are you a Luke Combs fan, a friend? Do you respect his songwriting skills? Do you respect the path he took to his career? And does it give you joy to see the size of his audiences? Um, and, and is that something that you strive for? Because your audience, you're sold out everywhere you go. Is there like a stadium tour, you know, back into your question and, and end it with, is there a chance for a Cody Jinx stadium tour in the next five years? But when you see that large of a crowd that you did that day in Ohio, did it make you go, man, Luke, congratulations. You did it. Um, a lot of parts to that question. I'll try to, I'll try to remember all of them. I, going into that show, we were direct support for Luke that day. Um, I had not ever met Luke um, and don't really know a lot about his songs. Uh, so in, in respecting him as a songwriter and, and all that kind of stuff, sure. Luke's a smart guy. I got to meet him after the, uh, after the show. Uh, my wife and I went up on the bus and, and, and um, got to visit, man. We, we sat up there for probably 30, 45 minutes and just talked shop. So, you know, Luke's a, super down to earth guy. Um, and I left that night being a fan of his just because like, he's a good dude. And, um, if everybody sounded like me or wrote like me, it would, it would be really boring. Um, but I watched his show and his, his band and crew, no joke that that's as uh, kind and warm, uh, band and crew we've played with in a long time long time they treated us so well um and, and they were so gracious and and everybody in their organization was was wonderful um so i do look at that 65,000 75 75,000 people we were in front of that day and say damn dude congratulations you know why because you're just a country boy you ain't too pretty you're just a big old country boy that likes to wear his fishing shirts and get out there and, and play country music so you know uh, we actually, we didn't advertise this, but uh, we were trying to get another one with him. Uh, not too long ago, there was a chance that we might get another one because uh, they called up and said, hey, by chance, could y'all do this? And I said, absolutely, we'll play with Luke again. I, Yeah, I, I love the way you answer it because like I, I spend so much of my time not listening to the country music radio or the commercial country. Like I'm really, really stuck 
on Whiskey Myers and Cody Jinks and Adam Hood and Brent Cobb and and guys that like Brent's on tour with Luke right now. And my my I don't know what the goal of Brent Cobb is because he's so simple and like doesn't even live in Nashville. He's like he's 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 not he doesn't even care. He just writes his songs. But there's part of me that wants you guys to blow up so bad. Not that you haven't. Please don't ever take what I say that way because your career is amazing. But there's just this part of me that wants the Brent Cobbs of the world to be heard by the millions. Like his songs are so relevant to me and your songs are so relevant. Like that, when I asked you at the end of that question, is it a goal of yours for it to get that big? Or do you, are you happy with, the space that you're in right now. And that's it. Cause I saw your, your post about whiskey and cigars and your entrepreneurial spirit and businesses and branding happening. But what about the music, Cody Jinx? How big are we going to see Cody Jinx get in the next five years? Let's say that's, that's tough. And that is one of the parts of the question I forgot to answer. Um, I, I don't know. I, the answer to that is I don't know if, if we'll ever see, you know, me doing a stadium tour, um, I'm kind of, I didn't think we'd get to where we are now, you know, in terms of obviously being independent and doing things the way we did it and, and, um, going about things the way we have has, you know, been kind of, kind of against the current, uh, so to speak. So when we started playing, you know, I'm the type of guy that when I'm headlining the biggest stuff I'm headlining is usually 15 to 20,000. Um, and that's big. That's a lot of people, you know, I mean, we're norm on a normal night. We're normally playing for three, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen thousand, depending on what market we're in. So, you know, one of these days after say all the branding stuff and, 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 you know, we're, we're going to try to get us, uh, you know, a, I mean, we're, we're going into, uh, marijuana company, uh, liquor, um, I mean, we're going into all kinds of stuff that I like to do because I don't like to tour as much anymore, but um, still doing like 50 to 60 shows a year, but I have to stay busy. So what we're going to try to do is try to incorporate all those things into the shows that I'm doing. And if those shows start to get bigger, which for some reason, man, I'm going to be 43 this year and my career is still doing this. And normally at 43, man, you start kind of doing that a little bit. Yeah. And so I don't know what the hell is going to happen, to be honest with you. I would welcome it. I guess if, if my management came and said, hey, bro, um, you don't know how this happened, but we're going to put you up on a string of stadium tours. I'd be like, all right, man, let's go. <laughs> uh, do I think that's going to happen? I don't know. Not tomorrow. Well, speaking of marijuana, Cody Jinx, our, 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 uh, a guy that I've had the pleasure of meeting and watching probably 20 times, uh, Willie Nelson just turned 90. Can you see Cody Jinx at 90 still getting up on the stage and picking the guitar and singing Cowboys and Hippies and it must be the whiskey? I mean, can you, can you imagine this type of career? Because your cult following is there, bro. Like you, no matter where you go, you have that following for the rest of your career you've built it and it's well deserved can you imagine 90 years old cody jinx still getting up and doing it? waylon was in his 60s when he passed merle wasn't in his 80s yet uh christopherson's still there johnny passed in his early 70s i believe don williams is gone john prine's gone willie nelson is 90 years old still on stage can you imagine no i can't imagine anybody living like i mean he, he really quit drinking a, a long, long time ago, 
you know, and just went to smoke and, and, and obviously he's still around because of that. Uh, you know, he drank a lot from what I've heard, but, um, yeah, being, I can't, I can't imagine being 90 and doing anything. I mean, like, dude, I can't, I can't imagine being 90, much less sitting there and playing those songs and, and remembering those songs and, uh, you know, picking that guitar and, uh, my mother and father-in-law just went to see him. He was out in, uh, in, in, uh, Abilene at the Outlaws and Legend. There's a little plug for you, Mark Powell. Uh, and uh, they said he got up on stage and like he was sitting down, but just rocked it, man. Wow. Like, like you know, ninety. Who cares, man? Like, dude, ninety years old. Like I said, I can't imagine doing anything at ninety. I mean, golly, dude. I you know, I hope to make it as long as. I hope to make it as long as in my my seventies still playing. You know that seems pretty realistic, but after that, golly, it's going to be Willie Nelson and Keith Richards, man. When the whole world's gone, it's going to be those two sitting there and share <laughs> and share, <laughs> changing clothes every other song. Hey, I got to ask yeah. you this because in the nineties when I was in college, I was I mean, and I'm still a huge music guy. I love good rock. I love Guns N' Roses. I was a Guns N' Roses groupie, but on the country music side, I was Jerry Jeff Walker, Dwight Yoakam, but on the mainstream side in that in that 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 hat pack and the Travis Tritz who I watched you with in Texas last year, which was an unbelievable show at Peanuts. Is it Peanuts? Was that place called Peanuts up in Austin? Was it Pooties? No, it was in Austin. Outside of Austin, it was an amphitheater, yeah, like an um, old school. That yeah, place is it was, awesome. It, Peanut Browns or something, I thought it was called. Oh, Nutty Browns. Nutty, Nutty Brown, Browns. Nutty. I had the, I yeah, had the nut, nut wrong. Yeah, it was at the Nutty Brown. Yeah. Nah, play, that we was, had, uh, but, <clears throat> go ahead, sorry. No, we had, that was kind of, that was one of the last, um, we did two nights with Travis there. And uh, actually, that was the first night we ever played with Aaron Viancourt. So it was Aaron, Travis, and us, those two nights. By the way, Travis Tritt is freaking awesome. Like that guy hadn't missed anything. He's that guy phenomenal. could still out sing anybody. He's a freaking rag guitar player, but even more importantly, the two nights we played uh, with Travis, um, both nights we played, he requested that I come up on his bus and uh, sit down and, and, and chat with him. And we just talked about music and, and life and, and great, great dude. Yeah, that's the, that's the energy that I get out of him when I'm listening to him. He's been on this podcast before and I'm just like, Man, what a cool career. Um, but again, Erin that night, I bought a shirt and I love her music. So that's awesome that you help. And I'm not saying that you're the one that's guiding these artists' careers, but it's really cool that I've seen other artists bring artists out on the road. Like when Zach Brown brought Sturgill out and I was like, who in the hell is Sturgill Simpson? And then I was like, wow, that dude's legit. And, and, and Zach made a comment to me on the boat that morning of like, this is like what Jamie Johnson was going to be like, this is Jamie. Cause Jamie's my favorite uh, of all time, you know, and Zach knows that. And he made this comment of like Sturgill is right there in the songwriting realm. And I don't know if you agree with that, but where I'm going with this is these artists like Aaron coming up right now. Um, is it, is it something that you have an ear for Cody? How does that start? Do they contact you? I want, I, I'm going into the Clint Black. That's where I started with my 90s deal. But now when, when we start talking about the Nutty Brown, the Nutty uh, concert with Travis Tritt, how does that happen when you see a young artist like that? Do you reach out to them because you see something in them? Do they reach out to you because you're one of their idols? How does it happen to where all of a sudden she's getting to open for Cody Jinx? 
I'll tell you case specific. And you just said Jerry Jeff Walker. So I'm going to cite Jerry Jeff Walker. Um, she grew up on Jerry Jeff Walker. So anyway, I heard about her, my management, uh, my manager, we have subsequently, we have the, the, the uh, same manager, Arthur Penhall, And uh, he found her in, uh, in, in um, Nashville. She was working at third and Lindsley. He said, you got to listen to this, listen to this woman. And uh, she didn't have anything out. She had like two, like two recordings um, that were on uh, YouTube that you could go look, you know, the, it was, the quality was good, you know, but it, it was uh, just a couple things on YouTube. And uh, we were looking for an opener for those shows. And I said, uh, I said, call Erin. I said, see if she can do it, you know? And at that time I, I didn't really know her. I said, but you know, I'm always into giving younger artists uh, a shot. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's a cool thing to do. And it's, you're not always going to win, but you know, sometimes really cool stuff happens. Come to find out, that's the first show she had played with a full band in front of 2,500 people um, and had just put that band together and got up on stage and killed it yeah, both sure. nights. And I had no idea that she was so green. And so she plays and I'm watching her set. Right. And she's, she's playing, don't it make you want to dance? And she gets off stage. And so this is kind of a long way to answer your question. How do I spot this? How did I see this? Whatever. She got off stage and I walked up and I go, you played Don't It Make You Want to Dance. I said, I grew up listening to Rusty Weir. I love that song. I love, you know, that, that whole record's great, you know, all this stuff. And she goes, yeah, but I do it the Jerry Jeff way. And I was like, I love you. I love you so much. This is so cool. You know, oh, she's man. at the time, she's at the time she's 26 years old, right? And, and wow. I'm sitting here going, she's, she's like, oh, yeah, 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 Rusty's, original version was good but i do it jerry jeff's way and and i'm sitting here thinking man this this young lady's she's really going to be good and i was listening to her songs so she has kind of that that older school kind of vibe going like everybody hears her play everybody's kind of like that 70s and 80s kind of thing you know it's just kind of how she's uh how she writes it's kind of how she's geared she's very traditional uh like way more traditional than I am. And I mean, you know, we, we rock out pretty hard, you know, a lot of times, but, uh, but yeah, it's been fun for that. So uh, watching her and, and watching her, her over the last really year and a half, taking her out on the road a lot, um, a lot. She's been, she's been, she's been chasing my buses around. For, was, there, <laughs> was, there any, was there any conversation between you and her before the actual invite to open? No. Wow, what a freaking th what a what a phone call to get from her manager or from you was it you personally or her manager? No, was it, it was Arthur who at the time I don't even think was managing her yet. I just say, you know, I said I I said I heard something when she was singing. Wow. And um I said let's throw her to the wolves. I didn't realize in fact how how fast we did throw her to the wolves in terms of, you know, just uh throwing a baby in the deep end in a diaper. We, that's, that's what we did. And she handled it, shouldered it, was graceful, uh, and had all the, the, the it's to make the it factor. She works her ass off. Uh, she's young, she's hungry. Uh, she's kind. Uh, she's got all the tangibles, all the boxes that, that, you know, as I was looking to sign my first artist for late August records, she had all the boxes checked. And so she was, uh, she was a natural fit and timing had a lot to do with that as well. 
Wow. Can you, <clears throat> excuse me, could you imagine 26 years old? And I know you can because you've been there, but you're, get, you're opening for arguably one of the hottest country music acts in the country right now. For sure you are. But before you go on, she's opening for the guy that used to sing duet duos with Waylon. And he is maybe responsible for bringing the Eagles back together. And he's probably got the best version of an Eagles cover that I've ever heard. There's several on that record. But when standing on a corner and wins, the way Travis Tritt hits that song, I'm just like, wow. that's all. But I mean, Travis Tritt's waiting on his bus to come on stage after her. And she's out there doing Jerry Jeff Walker and some originals. What a freaking, what a night. And that, like, what a, a feeling to get that phone call and then be able to get up there and be like, I did it two nights in a row. Like I never even met these guys in this band barely and, and we're jamming together. What a feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, at 26, I know I, I didn't know what that felt like. I had never done, maybe I did, I guess when I was maybe 26, 27, I opened for Miranda uh, at the state fair. And that was back when I was, I pulled up in a, a Dodge Ram, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, I don't know, I guess that's, yeah, it's kind of things like that are surreal, you know, as they say though, the, you know, the rest is history. Cause, um, she proved that she deserves to be up there, uh, with anybody. And, um, you know, uh, Miranda has been proven that since she was a teenager. So, what a shot you know, of adrenaline, though. Just gosh dang, what a shot of adrenaline. That's like yeah. going out. That's like going out and killing a one ninety when you're a twelve year old deer hunter, or a limit of greenheads when you first hunt. You know, you get spoiled. Well, tra Travis, you know, tra Travis is arguably arguably one of the best we've ever had. Um, I'm arguably <sighs> one of the most hard headed this business has ever seen. So. You know, I hope for for her opening that show was was kind of cool. I, I didn't like I said I didn't realize that uh, this is the first time she had ever done anything like that at all. <laughs> so, you know what's funny that about that show cool. is I'm wearing that shirt probably. I think it, that was that concert was in September. Maybe it might be a month later. Yes, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, headed to Lynchburg to do the Jack Daniels Invitational Barbecue. I'm going to judge it. I'm at Losers in Midtown. I don't know. You've, you've been here, I'm sure, right? Like, so oh, I'm, in, yeah. I'm, I'm in Losers, and a, and a girl walks up to me with her boyfriend, and I'm not, I can't make this up. They're like, I love her music, and I'm wearing that. It's like a, it's kind of like a 70s look uh, logo of her name written across the mm -hmm. front chest of the shirt, you know, in the rainbow yeah, colors. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, they're like, I love her music. And I'm like, man, it's getting out there. Cause I, I, I downloaded her stuff and, and, and listened to her. I love her. I'd, I'd love a chance to meet her someday and talk because there's something about that, that guy, Clark, Jerry, Jeff Walker, Mr. Bojangles, that whole thing. And I used to go to Austin every year for Jerry Jeff's birthday party and go to the Paramount theater and go to the broken spoke and then go to the Luke and box Sunday. And it was bring your own beer on the bus. And when Jerry died, I was just like, Oh gosh, dang it, man. That's a piece of my life because from the early late eighties all the way through until he passed. And still I listen to him every day, but man, I saw him live so many times. So to have a female that is reminiscent of that, I think is key. And I'd love to have some conversations with her, but let me ask you this. What does the lyrics of nothing's news mean? I, when I, when I listen to that song, is it about a know-it-all that, that, that nothing can, nothing's bothering him? Like you can't tell him anything like what, when you covered that, 
first of all, thank you, because that is the best Clint Black song, in my opinion, again, of all time. It is one of the That's best country. Mu- it's one of the best country music songs lyrically. Like Almost Home with Craig Morgan, I think, is an unbelievably written country music song. I think Jamie's mm-hmm. got some that just hits you in the stomach. I, there's a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. But nothing's news. Cody Jinks, what does it mean? And why did you pick this one to cover? Because it is genius. This song is genius. And the only songwriter on it, correct me if I'm wrong, is Clint Black. Yeah. The, actually, man, the story behind that song, and not just us cutting it, but the, the story behind the song, I'll tell you. And I'll, I'll give you a brief version. of. I've, I've got to hear Clint tell this story a few times, and I love the way he tells it. Because Clint is, first of all, everything that I said about Travis Tritt a while ago, Clint is that. And uh, Clint and I have, and Clint and I have actually become friends. Um, I can call Clint like my friend now. Um, just he's so great, and his family's so great. And and we had a lot of fun last year when we were touring together. And so I got to hear him tell a story because the first time I got to hear him tell a story, it was on a uh, a three way call between me, Ward Davis, and Clint about five years ago. And um, he's telling us the story, and it goes like this. He says. Um, he's about 22 years old, 21, 22 years old. And he had been playing music. He'd been in rock and roll bands and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, doing what you do when you're that age. But he, uh, he goes to his dad and he says, you know, he's like, basically he's like, dad, I'm, I'm going to write songs. And his dad's like, you know, you need to do a little bit more living before you can, before you can write a song, you know? Who's going to want to listen to you know what you have to say? You know, you being so young and everything. Anyway, Clint went and wrote Nothing's News. First song he wrote. No way. 22, year, 22 years old. Yeah, he wrote that song 40 years ago. Um, so he goes back and he plays this song for his dad. And his dad was like, oh, okay. Uh yeah. So anyway, there's the story of how that happens. He's like, well, you might have something there, you know, young man. So anyway, Clint writes this song. And then oh, we all know Clint's an amazing, he's a, he's a triple threat guitarist, amazing guitar player, amazing singer, amazing songwriter. He starts writing, obviously. And uh, we call him up and we say, hey, we want to do your song, but we want you to sing on it. And so he told us this story and this and that. But answer your other question about what does the song itself mean to me yeah it's it's talking about we all know him it's the guy sitting at the bar that's like he's a pretty good dude but he just sits at the same bar all you know every day and just he's the guy that slaps you on the back no yeah oh you know that play you know just you know that old dude and sometimes he's a pain in the ass and sometimes he's not and sometimes he gets too wordy and sometimes you have to be like hey bob you need to sit down man look you know i don't need to kick you out tonight you know i've <laughs> i bartended for years man i knew this i knew the guy he was writing the song about you know so um that's why we really love the song and, and the idea came whenever uh, ward davis and i were sitting in his van smoking weed before a show listening to clint black talking about how that record in particular is one of the, the finest country music records ever recorded. When you say record, is that an accumulation of the songs on it? Or are you talking about that certain song? Great question. Thank you for asking that because people aren't in the business of making great records anymore. Great records. You put the whole damn thing in it. Don't skip songs. 
I know we have this, the, the clickbait society. It's like, dude, I could put a song up online right now for 99 cents and have a hundred thousand people buy it today. Right. I don't do that though, because I would rather give you something that I've been working my ass off. Every song is complete. Every song is a song that I feel like I could open the record with that song, you know? So, so yes, a collection of a bunch of great songs, you know, not just, Oh man, we got two songs, man. This is, this thing's going to sell. It's going to sell. It's got 10 songs. Yeah. 80, eight of them suck, but man, those two are hits, you know, we don't do that. You know, Clint doesn't do that. And that's why I love and admire him so much. Hey, we're back in Nashville. Oh man, I wish. <laughs> I wish I was at the Nashville Palace right now in the big room or the little room up front. I just wish I was walking down the hallways to the restroom and looking at all the pictures. Randy Travis got his start here. He was a busboy at the Nashville Palace. John C. Hobbs started the Palace many decades ago. And look where it is today. The strongest, strongest positioning in Music Valley. It's right there in the heart of Music Valley. And so many country music stars have graced their stage and continue to grace their stage from the Daryl Singletary, Singletary benefit to the Keith Whitley benefit. I saw Lori Morgan on stage this year with Daryl Worley. Saw Hannah Dasher up there. I've seen John Party up there and Leith Lofton and Drake White, Adam Hood and Brent Cobb, Hayes Carl. I've seen so many unbelievable singer-songwriters in the Nashville Palace, not to mention their food, their menu, their generosity, giving back to the outdoors, conservation, their dedication to excellence, their neighboring partner in the scoreboard. It's such a great experience. So when you're in Nashville, it's not just about Broadway and Lower Broadway and Bridgestone Arena. Those places are unbelievable. That's undeniable. I love being on Lower Broadway. And by when you're down there, you can visit other Hobbs properties like Bootleggers, Doc Holidays, Whiskey Bent. We throw our annual NWTF party every February at the Whiskey Bent upstairs. Invite only. I hope you all make that invite list. But thank you so much to the Nashville Palace for being a staple and giving back to Music City USA by all of the up-and-coming artists that you allow to grace your front room stage, your back room stage, all the benefits and memorials that you throw. We couldn't be more honored to be partnered with the Nashville Palace. So next time you're in Music City USA, Nashville, Tennessee, make sure you stop in and visit the Nashville Palace. So as far as these bodies of work that you put out last one being mercy. The title song was written by our mutual friend, Adam hood. He was ecstatic about being part of it. As far as the bodies of work go, Cody Jinx, how as an artist, do you, I guess, navigate your stage presence and your live show when you put out these records as a whole you get there you get a record out there and the and your fans listen to it and they're like oh i love it i love it i love it that one's okay i love it how do you as an artist and a band how do you pick the songs is it because of the hits or the downloads they get and you know that's what the audience wants to hear how do you know what's going to keep that audience's attention how do you know when to do a slow song and then pick it up a little bit? Like take me through that process a little bit and tell the audience of like, how does a Cody Jinx show get put together when you don't put out those teasers and those singles, you put out records and works of art, bodies of art for the world to listen to one song at a time from beginning to end. The old school would be a side B side. Okay. How did, how does that go to take us through that process? A lot of different factors, really. You know, it's it's not by happenstance we play what we play. 
it's a well-oiled machine. Um, <laughs> my band is at rehearsal right now and my band will be at rehearsal tomorrow. And then I will join for the third day of rehearsal. So, um, man, we work our asses off. We look at the data, we look at the numbers. I can tell you right now that there are 15 songs I have to play every night. If I play those 15 songs, I can do whatever else I want to do, but there's 15 songs that I have to play. And, uh, it's, it's, it's the usual suspects. It's the ones that you're thinking of cast no stones and hippies and cowboys and no words. And, um, you Mama's know, Mama, loud and heavy, uh, somewhere in the middle, fast hand, you know, the hits, yeah. all the, all the big ones. Um, and we typically play, we go over 90 minutes. Usually we go closer to two hours, but we typically play 26 to 28 songs a night, depending on how mouthy I get, not mouthy, but you know, how, <laughs> how, how talky I'm feeling. Um, which I usually don't talk a lot. I, we try to get as many in there as we can, but I play those 15 and then, uh, we change the other five, six, or six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 of them. Uh, we change those out usually once a year and we'll rotate some, some older, maybe B sides in that I just still love playing. But, you know, the fun thing about what we do is that now we have too many songs that I'm like, I wish we could play that. I wish we could play that. I wish we could play that, which is a really great problem to have. And now, you know, we're in, we're about to wrap up a recording cycle right now. We started working on um, what's going to be, our new record that'll come out this fall, probably October, no, October, November ish. Uh, we started working on it in, in November of last year and we've recorded about 20 and we have some absolute monsters. And we, we, uh, we started playing one called change the game and we just recorded another one that we know is going to be freaking huge. And so Josh, our bass player, he's been with me 16 years, man, my, my right hand man, my band leader, I call him up the other day and I was going over the set list and uh, all the usual suspects and da, 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 plugging this here. Da, you know, what do you think about this here, this here, this here, by the way, um, I know we're already doing change the game, which is probably what the record's going to be called. I said, but what about this one that we just cut? You know, we just cut it like two weeks ago and he goes, no, not yet. Cody. We got to wait, man. <laughs> you can't just go dumping all the new good, new great stuff out, you know. But I'm like, no, dude, this song, this song is so freaking cool. But uh, yeah, that's a long-winded answer. So we got to do those 15, and then after that, I, I do whatever the hell I want. So pretty soon, you're going to start getting into what I call the George Strait um you know, dilemma of somebody's going to be leaving a Cody Jinx concert pissed off because they didn't hear the song they came there to hear. They're going to have a great time, but they're going to want to hear that one. And you're getting so many hits that those 15 are not going to be suffice probably to keep everybody happy on huh, Cody. You know, it's funny because like, once you get to that part of your career, George has had over 60 number ones. Like, so take like two of my favorites of all time are Metallica and George Strait, right? I mean, I can remember waiting in line the same day back when you had to go to Ticketmaster and wait at the, at the mall, yeah. uh, waiting in line the same day for Metallica tickets at Texas Stadium and George Strait tickets at Texas Stadium. When you start getting to where you have that much, you start touring on two or three different sets sometimes. Bruce Springsteen, he'll do it too. You know, he'll play all these songs one night and then all these songs the next night. You know, it's like you can't, 
play 60 number one songs a night. You can't do it. It's physically, it's impossible. You can't sing that many songs. You could, no. you're just not going to be able to sing for the next three days, you know? Hey, let me ask you this. And I don't know if you'll answer this because I don't, I don't, I don't want this to be you going, I, I can't be put on the spot, but as, as an artist, what is your opinion? And if you just say, I don't want to answer that, that's fine. What is your opinion of Eric church? When you start talking about a guy that can go multiple nights and sing different songs and have that kind of, he did it a couple years ago where he did a back to back tour. And I went to it one night and a lot of the songs on the second night were not the same ones he sang on the first night. What is your opinion over all of him? Even though with his radio success, does he hold a candle as maybe going down as one of the Mount Rushmore's or one of the goats or, or is he, well, how does he work? How does he fit into the Cody Jinx in, uh, ranking? I can tell you this. Um, I've never met Eric, but we've signed on to do four shows with him. And that in later this year, and, and I don't sign on to do shows with people that I don't like, like, I'm not going to sign on and do four shows with, and this isn't anybody's, it, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to name any names. It's, I, I, I could name yeah. Most of them I wouldn't, but I can I tell you right now that there's three of them that I can just think offhand. Can I, can I, can I guess, can I guess three of the big, big Mel, big Mel Nashville's right now that if they, that I would tell you that I would, I would go play with Stapleton. Yes. Stapleton. I wouldn't even consider, I, I would totally go with Stapleton. I love Chris. Um, I wouldn't consider him. Uh, I'm, I'm considering him. He's different, man. He, he's a soul singer, man. He's too good. He's, he's got too he's, much soul for <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But, so Eric Church, mm-hmm. Nashville guys, right now that you would go sign on with. Eric we Church? already talked about one of them. We did. Luke. Okay, Luke Combs, Eric Church, and it's got to be at that set. The only one that I think is country enough, and I don't know what you think of him, but I'm going to say John Party. I don't know if he's there or not. Cody Johnson. Oh shit, Cody Johnson. He's he's he is the he is the 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 spawn of Garth Brooks, the original Garth Brooks and Chris Ledoux. Is that is that kind of fair to say? I I love it, man. I played with Cody a bunch. We cut our teeth at the same places coming up and and uh you know, he just love him and his family and and I don't I don't I don't get to see him as much as as uh, as I used to, but uh but yeah, man, you know, he's up there in that, that echelon of, of wow, guys what, a, what a compliment are, are doing it the right way. You know, Eric's there, Luke's there, Cody's there. I can't, I can't think of, uh, of three more of the biggest authentic. You could consider party parties, parties pretty, pretty traditional, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, as, as far as the kind of stuff I lean to, it'd be those guys. Would you, how does this work now when you have your status and you're proven and you've done it? How do you get in the room with Eric? Is it a goal? Is it something that just happens organically? Do you hope that phone call comes to where I know that you get to go and play with him now, but would you want to get in the room and write with him? Because when I hear songs that, that a lot of his songs, I go, wow, man, that is freaking songwriting at its finest, like record Mm -hmm. year. Like I'm like, Holy geez. Like how did you pick the artist that you name in the song? How do you come up with that? That's so clever and witty, uh, but how is it a goal of somebody like Cody Jinx to get in the room or is it just like, well, if it happens, it happens. If it happens, it happens. You know, um, I don't even know how the shows came to be. I, I think that they said, Hey, y'all want to come jam? And we were like, yeah, man, we'll come jam. <laughs> you know, I know that there's paperwork involved and stuff like that, but I, it really was as simple as my manager was like, Hey man, you know, you do a string with church. I said, sure, absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, again, real we, quick, Cody, sorry to interrupt you, but just like you said, you're not going to sign on if you don't believe in that artist. Eric believes in you, right? That there, It's vice versa. Yeah. It's a compliment. Cause, cause a lot of guys won't, a lot of guys and girls won't ask me to go play with them. Um, and, it, and it's because we haven't, we haven't, we're not in the game, you know, we're not in their, in their, in their social networks and their circles and don't do the, the Nashville thing. But, you know, I think it's really respect, respectful and respectable and, and commendable that, you know, you know, guys like Eric and Luke that, you know, have, have earned the right to say, no, like we want Jinx to come out and jam with us. You know, we want so-and-so to come jam with us. You know, I, I think that that's super nice, super cool. You know, uh, it, it, it means a lot to me. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, be like, well, yeah, man, we deserve to be with those guys. You don't, nobody, let me tell you something. Nobody deserves to be on that stage. You earn that stage. I don't care who the hell you are. So to, you know, to have, you know, uh, have people of that echelon, you know, saying, Hey, we want this misfit from Fort Worth to come do some shows with us, man. You know, that's cool. I think it's freaking awesome. Let me ask you this now, thinking about those nights with Eric Church and Luke Combs, and then you come back and you're headlining your own tour. When it comes to the substances of the old adage of sex, drugs, rock and roll, you're a married, committed man. You you love rock and roll. You love heavy metal. You actually have a heavy metal band. I love the music. I love Metallica. I love the old Metallica. God, did I love Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning. And um, you love the new one's great, dude. Love Great. But there was a couple that missed. There was a couple that missed for me, but that's, that's fine. That's neither here nor there. You agree maybe. Um, But you're, you love to drink beer. You've talked about starting your own distillery and Cody Jinx whiskey. Don't know what the final name of it's going to be. You've talked about partaking in marijuana. What is it normal stage for you? I've been around bands that nothing can happen before the encore is done and the party can start. How what how is it with the Cody Jinx and the band? You're professionals. You're up there to do a job. You're up there to entertain a crowd. They've paid hard money, hard earned money to come see your show. You respect that. Now yeah. you got to go play in front of the Eric Church crowd and and that kind of deal. And you respect that, and you're honored to do that. How does that work in your mentality? Of is there is there like none at all? Do you have to get a little to be relaxed? How do you maintain that balance of not going out on stage and absolutely blowing it because of substance? And I know that I'm not trying to say that you ever overdo it, but how do you do that in a lifestyle that it's so easily available all the time? We're uh, there's seven of us in, in our band. And when we walk on stage, all seven of us are sober. <laughs> we, wow. We, yeah. Wow. We, uh, we, um, I can tell you, my rider, you, this is every day. Every day, my rider consisted of two-fifths of Maker's Mark, five cases of Miller Lite. Every day. And we would go through it. And uh, we did that for a long time. And in the recording process, we used to have a pallet of beer brought in. We used to have giant boxes of whiskey handles brought in. We started getting older and slowing down and knowing that, you know, man, we're, we're up here, you know, we're not, we're a bar band. I keep telling people that all the time, you know, it's like, dude, we're a bar band. We're just a bar band that happened to have made it, you know? So you're a bar band. You're just sitting up there taking all the shots that people are bringing to, you know, (laughs) then you wake up one day and you're 40 and you're thinking, holy moly, we got to slow this down. 
and, uh, you know, making better life decisions. And most of us are husbands or fathers or both. And, um, you know, we want to be able to do this for a long time. So, you know, like I said, a while ago at 43, my 42, 43, my trajectory is still going up and, uh, man, I gotta, I gotta hang on to it. And, uh, I smoke a lot more weed now than I do drink. I, I, I really, I really don't touch hard liquor, uh, much anymore. So, um, you know, if we do the whiskey thing, that's, that's going to be something I'm going to be very involved in. Cause I can tell you exactly what I think is good and what I don't, but, uh, I don't, I don't drink it a lot anymore. Um, uh, I cut way back on, on my beer, um, Hell, this is the first Miller Lite I've drank in days, man. I normally drink that 64 now. So, uh, you know, the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll thing, man, for me, it was it was drugs and rock and roll for a while, and I, I consider alcohol a drug. Um, the sex part, man, I, you know, that was taken care of uh, at home. You know, my, my wife, she's been with me since she was 16 years. We were 16. She was at the first show I ever played. Wow, that was about cool. four about four or five thousand shows ago when I was 17 years old. So, um, and she was at the last one I played, which was the Houston rodeo for 62,000. So she's, she's always been there to cover the sex part, the drugs and the rock and roll. My thirties, my, my twenties and thirties were, it was, it was game on. Um, and, uh, you know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta grow up sometimes. So fortunately, you know, those of us that, that do realize you have to grow up sometime, um, you know, get out of it and, and, uh, you know, walk on stage sober. Now we're old. <laughs> that, <clears throat> that adage of game on Cody, would you want your kids to live that same type of decade that you did in your thirties? Now that now would you say, Hey, life is life and it could happen. But would you sit there and say, don't do this partake a little bit and learn your lesson or whatever. But would, would you be a little bit stern and say, look, you don't want to go down that road that you did in the threes. Was it that, did it get that hyped up? Was it that out of control or how do you, how, I guess my question, Cody Jinx is how do you parent when you've lived this lifestyle that not many men get to live. Like, I'm not saying that it's out of reach or like you're like you're untouchable, but it's a cool lifestyle. Let's not sugarcoat this going from being a bouncer at Billy Bob's Texas in the stockyards of Fort Worth to being one of the most recognized country voices out there and selling out crowds all over the country. That's a cool lifestyle and, and more power to you and congratulations. But how do you parent when you've done some shit that you would probably say, I probably shouldn't have done that. And, and I know that could be normal, but how do you parent? Well, I'm very honest with them. Uh, they're 13 and 10 now. So uh, they know a lot more than – I know they know a lot, and I know that they know a lot more than I know that they know because uh, I knew a lot more at 10 13 than I, probably my parents realized I did too. And, you know, so uh, they, they've been very honest in their questions. We keep a very honest uh, dialogue going at home. Um We've had the dad, what drugs have you done talk? We, we've had, you know, uh, they've, they've grilled me and, and just in allowing them to because I don't want to hide anything from them. Uh, the important thing is that they, they see that uh, I came out of that and they see that uh, their mother has been a part of my life the whole time. And they understand now that my, my home life has to be in harmony uh, in order for my, uh, my professional stage life to be able to work. So, 
uh, I focus on family first and, um, and having said that, you know, just keeping a very open and clear dialogue and, uh, you know, if I can't tell them not to do it, you know, and my daughter, they're both into the arts. My daughter is, um, she's a, a ballet dancer and my son plays guitar and he's convinced he's going to be on stage one day. And, uh, um, so obviously he gets to see it from a very different side, um, growing up around it. You know, they don't know, they don't, they, I've been doing this since way before they were born. So they don't know what it's like for me not to be up on stage. And now he comes out and plays guitar with us, uh, sometimes. And if it's a show not too far from home, or we just have a couple of days, we're going to play. He just did, uh, Omaha, Nebraska and De Dubuque, Iowa with us. And, um, came out and played a couple songs so he gets to see it but he gets to see it in the regard that like all the guys all the guys in the band he's known almost his whole life or his whole life um so he sees how they conduct themselves he wasn't he wasn't out there with us 10 years ago um because we weren't conducting ourselves in the same manner but um my wife and, we have a very wife and kid friendly bring your wives bring your kids backstage like that's we want that environment um, so he gets to see seven guys go out there sober every night and um, do their best to to try to put on a great show for people that have spent their hard-earned money to come see us play. It's important. Um, I'm teaching him to earn that stage. Nobody's giving it to you. I don't care what your last name is. You ain't riding mine. If you're going to be a badass, you're going to be a badass on your own, man. You know, and and just learning to curb yourself and and um, check yourself. Uh, if you're drinking too much, stop drinking so much. You're doing too many drugs. We're doing too many drugs. You know, obviously I hope my children don't do that, but, uh, uh learn to temper your own, your own self and, and keep your family focused on your family. And uh, the rest is going to work itself out. I'm sure with him being on stage, is it, is it fair to say that your daughter and your son are very proud of their dad and they, they listen to the music. They might not go to school and wear a Cody jinx shirt, which I do want to, I know we're getting towards the end of our talk, but I know how the, the merch part of the Cody jinx is absolutely mind blowing from what I've witnessed, but do they wear a tattoo of you? Not a physical one, but do they, do they, are they proud that Cody jinx is their dad and his music and his career, or do they, are they so humble that it doesn't even affect them when they're at school and in public places? Um, it's, it's different for both kids. I remember one time we went and picked, uh, I came off of a pretty long run. I hadn't seen my kids in several weeks. And I, 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 uh, I asked my driver, Nino, I said, can we go pick them up in the bus? So we pulled the bus up at, we homeschooled now. This has been years ago. We pulled the bus up in the carpool. Lane. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're driving through the carpool lane and, I haven't seen my kids in weeks, right? My son's, I think, in first grade at the time. My daughter, I think, is in like fourth, third third grade. And uh, they walk out, and my son, he, his eyes light up. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's my dad's buzz, you know, this and that. My daughter's head just goes like, you know, she just, <laughs> I see her whole her shoulder slump, her like body language. Yeah, so, you know, she's, thir she's 13 now, um, and for years she wouldn't tell her 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 last name she would say her her name was meredith j uh, and a lot of people thought her name was meredith j j a y um uh, you know so she didn't have to deal with that my son was always like large yeah my dad's cody you know uh it's kind of funny just the difference between a little boy and a little girl coming up in it but i remember um uh, 
Kevin Fowler, I was, I was playing a show in Ke- with Kevin Fowler about 13 years ago. Uh, and he said, uh, my daughter just turned 13. And I said, wow, that she must think that this is really cool, dude. You know, because back then Kevin was having some big hits and a lot of success and people recording his songs and, and this and that. He goes, cause I said, I just had a little girl. I, I had my first child. You know, she's, she's a little, little baby girl. I said, your daughter must just think you're so cool. She go, he goes, let me tell you something, Cody. He goes, <laughs> nope. He goes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, or how cool you think you are, or how cool everybody else thinks you are. When you have a teenage daughter, you know. So I've seen that. I witnessed that. But when when she comes to our shows, she'll wear she'll wear one of Dad's shirts, and uh, and I, I know she's proud. She won't tell you, but I know she is. You know. So it's it's. I don't expect them to walk around telling me they think, you know, I'm really good. I, I expect them to walk around thinking that, you know, dad's trying. How does it happen to where somebody that, and I don't know, and I don't mean any disrespect by saying this, Cody Jinx, but are you even supposed to play the Houston rodeo? Is that, is that like normal that somebody with your career gets invited to do that? Um, you, you know, you hear George Strait. I've seen the big names are up there. You know, the big the big commercial names are up there. It's 70,000 people. You just said 60, 62,000 people for Cody Jinx. How does it happen? And when you get there, is that the ultimate? When you look out there and see that many people, are you like, we made it? Or is Red Rocks already already concreted that thought in your head? How How does that come about? And what did that mean to Cody Jinx, being a native Texan, to play arguably – the biggest rodeo crowd there is. I don't know if Cheyenne is bigger. I don't know if, if, if Calgary stampedes is bigger, but the Houston rodeo is a huge country music venue. How, how did that go down and what did it mean to you? Uh, it, it's not, no, it's, it's not something I had, I had really thought would happen or, or really had entertained. And I did a news interview for one of their local uh, news stations that day. And, and the, the reporter asked me the same thing. And I was like, she's like, you know, being a Texas boy and kind of with Europe, how you came up and, and all that, you know, would you ever have expected to headline in the Houston rodeo? And I said, no, you know, I, I wouldn't just because of the way we did things, not because I didn't feel like we were deserving. Cause like I said, you never deserve a stage. You aren't a stage, but did we earn it? I, I guess we did. Um, and I'm really, really proud of that. And I'm, I'm proud that, uh, you know, that we, that we did get to go up there and, and play that, that big stage where, you know, I know who's played there. Um, you know, Red Rock, Red Rocks is, is Red Rocks is special in a different kind of way. You know, that's that's one of the the best places to play, just sound wise and and just the way it feels and just how how cool it is. You know, that's a wonderful wonderful thing. But you know, uh, being a guy that was born and raised in Texas and have played more small town rodeos, county fairs that I can remember on the back of car haulers. Uh, and, I mean, set up in, you know, in the corner uh, somewhere and under a, 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 one of those makeshift four posted umbrella things, you know, yeah. those were the rodeos I started playing, you know, um, on a dead gum flatbed trailer, still hooked up to the truck sometimes, you know, <laughs> so uh, Houston was pretty rad in that regard. <clears throat> talk to me. I got two more thoughts before I let you go. Cody Jinx. Thank you so much for being here, but talk to me about your merch. Like it's, 
I don't know if there's more worn merch across the country. Like I go to a lot of events that are, I'm in Sturgis with Jack Daniels. I'm in, you know, different festivals or different outdoor events. And I see a lot of Cody Jinx merch. Is this something that you have a finger on? Are these designs out of your, out of your brainchild because you go to an artist and say, this is what I'm thinking. Um, how did you get to be to where somebody wanted so bad to, to stand in those long ass lines? I remember over there at Nutty Brown, I was like, dude, these are 75 people deep and there's five lines for a, a booth. Like, this is crazy. It's not normal. Yeah. I go to a lot of shows, Cody Jinx. It's not normal to see the procession of consistency to pay money to get a Cody Jinx decal or koozie or t-shirt or hat. When did that start? And how does that make you feel now as an artist of going, wow, my merch sales are through the roof. For the size of artists that, that I am, the size of, of band that we are uh, in terms of where we play and whatnot, we're selling, we're selling merch numbers that are like stadium numbers. Um, not Taylor Swift numbers or George Strait numbers, but we're still selling really, really big numbers. And uh, there's, 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 two, there's two main reasons for that. I, and I'll give you the second reason first. The second reason is because we have a really, really great design team. Um, and we have really great ideas. Skulls always sell. Flames, you know, I mean, like most of our shirts are black. Most of the people that come to our shows are dressed in black. You know, we you have a biker sitting next to a cowboy most of the time they're both wearing black you know um black cells so we sell we sell a couple of uh whites and and, and some softer stuff for some of the, and the ladies apparel but most of the ladies still buy black as well but we have a really great team but i can tell you that i think the the number one reason why we sell so much merch is because i still think the, the people that have, even if they've been coming to see me play for 15, 16, 17, 18 years, 19, 20 years now, some of them, um, the people that come to see me play, come to see us play and see for the most part, the same guys in the band that they've been seeing. Um, I still feel like there's that era of we're theirs. We're not the big labels and they found us. And we came and played for them and we kept coming to play for them and we got to know them and we played all the small towns and shit holes and juke joints. And we, you know, that's how, that's how we did it. They have a sense of, they have a sense of, of like they did this with, with me, they did this with us. Um, and I, I tell people a lot cause people are like, man, your fans are freaking nuts. Like there's just your shirts and your caps everywhere. And, and, your merch lines are long and we had to get a semi truck to start carrying it, which for us, that's huge, you know? And it's like, you, you know, just have, and I said, these people have been with me for a long time. I said, because I've been with them, you know, that's the thing, you know, I've been out there with them, you know, I stand out there after shows still for an hour or two, almost every night and, and talk and visit and listen and talk with them. And they get to tell me about the first time they saw me in some shithole in Bentonville, Arkansas and, 2005 you know or, or whatever and um i think that that's the reason that's that's 
they just <clears throat> feel like they're emotionally invested because they are. They've done this with us, and nobody else has ever done it like I've done it. Nobody else will ever do it like I've done it. And I think that for that reason, like they they hold on to me like this, and it's like this. I'm theirs. You know, they found me. I'm theirs. We found each other. You listen to me. You know, you listen to my music when nobody would. You listen to my music when Nashville wouldn't do anything for me, when they didn't want to, when they considered me unmanageable, when they considered me ungroomable. Um, you know, just we did this together. I think that that's why you see such a ferocity um, in our fans. You know, I, I tell people a lot that our fans are like the country music equivalent of Slayer fans. If you've ever been to a Slayer concert, um, it's intense, man. The Slayer fans are a different, it's a whole different breed, man. You know, and, and that's what we have. Uh, that's what we have. We have Slayer fans in the country, country genre. But I don't think there's a better way to, that was a great description. And what, I don't think there's a better way to do it. Like the ownership part that they're taking is they, they don't get paid to go see you. They're paying to see you. They, they don't get an endorsement deal because, because you're give, you're paying them to wear that shirt. It's like, they're part of the band, man. They're, they're the crew. They're, mm. they're not just a fan. They got that AA, that all access pass uh, hanging on their hip, you know, all the time, that crew pass all the time, that friends and family pass. Everybody has that pass at a concert. Not that they all get to come backstage and shake hands with Cody Jinx, but they all feel like they know you. Like I, I got a great friend named Jason Donnelly, him and his wife. I've, I've, I've reached out to Keith a couple times and thank you guys so much, but they would travel across the world to see a Cody Jinx show. Like they they mm. they ran into you on the strip in Vegas and she was speechless. Jason was like, "Dude, I thought she was going to faint." It, this was just last last December, I believe, during the NFR. I don't know if you remembered running into my big buddy Jason Donnelly, but he said his wife almost fainted. That's Elvis Presley kind of shit, dude. So, like they're taking ownership because they feel like they did find you. And that's a great way to put it. They weren't forced it wasn't shoved down no. their throat on 77 turns a day on the local radio station. They had to go out and seek you and find you. And then when you said, we're coming to you, they're like, heck yeah, man. He freaking sees what we saw. And we're part of that dream right now. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I remember the first time when we played Madison, Wisconsin, we played for four people, four, four. Now, they all four stayed the whole night, but it was four people paying a $10 door charge. So they stayed the whole time because they paid their 10 bucks. We made $40 the first time we played Madison, Wisconsin. The next time we went back, there were 500 people. Um, you word know, it, it, it's word of mouth. If we would, if I would have walked in there and said, we saw, we saw four tickets, pull the show. We're not playing tonight. The next time I went there, I wouldn't have had 500 people. Nope. How awesome is that? Because you never know who's watching you. Like I, I, I always like, this is a weird thing to say, but I go into a show and even if I do know the artist or don't, I get a weird feeling when there's like eight people there. Like, how are they staying up there? How are they still so into it? It's gotta be that mindset that you just described that you got to give it your all, no matter what, you don't know what's going to happen off of that show. And what else are you going to do for 90 minutes? You're going to cancel the show, go get on your bus, have a couple beers, but instead you stay up there. And it turns, it blossoms. It's like watering this giant tree that has rooted itself as this Cody Jinx. Like, that's a cool t-shirt design. Like, the Cody Jinx root system is, like, grown into this massive, massive tree. Hopefully, you know, it's a flooded oak tree, Cody Jinx, and there's mallards setting their wings over the top of it. But that Cody Jinx tree is so deeply rooted now because of nights like that in Madison, Wisconsin. I tell people often that 
you know, people will come up, young singer songwriters, aspiring singer songwriters, or the parents of aspiring singer songwriters. My son wants to do what you do. My daughter wants to do what you do, or, 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 or maybe a 17, 18, 19, 21 year old kid, whatever comes up and says, how do I do this? What do I do this? I, I tell them you don't miss any runs. Okay. Start low, start little and build your runs up. Cause eventually you'll get to a place where you're going to fall down a couple. Well, if you, if you missed all those middle runs, you're going to go straight back to the bottom. If you built all those runs in there, then you got a couple whoop, whoop, came down, came down a couple, but we can go back up because those runs are still there. We established that. And I, and I, I tell them that and I give them, you know, I give them that analogy and then I'll tell them, you know, like I didn't learn how to play in front of 500 people or 5,000 people or 50,000 people. I learned how to play in front of five on Tuesday nights at eight airs in deep Ellum in Dallas from 10 to two PM day. Wow. <laughs> I mean, like, that's where I learned to play. You know, if you can keep four people's attention, you can keep 400s easy, man. If you keep 400, you can keep, you've got 40,000 licked, you know? So it's, it's, uh, Start well, that's small, a great man. way. To, that's a great way to put it, Cody. Because most people would think the exact opposite. No, it's, way, it's, not, it's not. If you could, if you could keep four people's attention, you're going to have four hundred to forty thousand licked. Because it's way harder to stay up there and be entertaining enough and not give up on it when it's just eight eyeballs watching you. I mean, it's well, eight. It's eight eyeballs. Think about it. If you're in a, if you're in a, if you're in a crowd, okay. If you're in a, in a crowd of 400 people in some rock box that you're going to go see this up and coming band, then everybody's excited, right? There's 400 amped up people in there, or 4,000 amped up people in there. They're feeding off of each other's energy, right? So they're already excited anyway. So then the band comes up. That's even better. I'm excited. You're excited. There's the band. Well, what if there's not a you or a me? What if it's just like I'm kind of standing here by myself watching these guys? I hope this doesn't suck. Those guys have a tall fucking order, bro. <laughs> like the guys on stage got a tall order. So that's, uh, yeah, that's how I've always viewed that. Hey, talk to me before we get off, Cody Jinx. The new music, you all, you let it out of the bag a little bit. This album, it's going to come out October, November of 2023, could be called Change the Game. Um, mm-hmm. What what can we expect? Is it is it 180 degrees different from Mercy? Um, is it is it 100% written by you? Are there any covers on it? Are we going to see a guest appearance by Cody Cannon or Brent Cobb or Clint Black? Talk to me a little bit about what the fans can expect come this fall. Um, as far as guest performances, actually, I'm recording kind of two different albums uh, right now, and where I have uh, a concept that. Um, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna let it out of the bag yet, but I do have people coming in and doing duets with me right now, and we are making a whole record of duets. Oh, cool. um, yeah. So that's pretty fun. Um, but in terms of like what's going to be on, you know, our next release, the next Cody Jinx record, um, it's probably going to be in the vein of you know, 12, 13, 14 songs. It will be uh, different than Mercy. Mercy. We we dabbled a little more in the rocking rocking side of stuff for Mercy, which was really fun and a great uh, great exercise for us. Because Mercy was really one of those records that I thought, man, this thing's got something for everybody. Like, you know, some slow stuff, some fast stuff, some you know. Oh, I think I think that was a really good record for even maybe people that didn't like country necessarily. But um, as for what we've got in the bag right now, and, and really it's coming down to song selection. We'll go back in in June. Um, uh, second week of June, we go back to, uh, 
do the last session for this cycle. And I've got three or four or five more slated that I'm really excited about. It's going to sound like us, brother. You know, it's, 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 uh, I don't, I can't say it's either going to be any more countries, probably gonna be a little less rock to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, it's going to sound like us, you know, and that's, that's the cool thing is that we've been, we're old enough now. We've been doing it a long time. This band has been together a long time. Like, we sound like us. It's same guys, you know, a lot of people don't realize in Nashville country game, you know, you have your recording band and you have your, your recording musicians and you have your road band. Well, oftentimes those are two different entities. Um, I don't have that. I have, <laughs> we have our band. We just, you know, we do all the recordings. So when we go out and play the shows, it's like, Oh yeah, that sounds like them. So I, I think it's going to sound like us. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, Jack Daniels hot seat. If you don't want to answer, just give me the no, sir. Um, I know you're a Miller light fan. Bud light comes to you tomorrow. Gives you a multi-million dollar endorsement deal to be the title sponsor of the next Cody jinx tour. Do we see Bud light presents Cody jinx? Uh, Bud light, uh, has Bud lights had several opportunities with me through the years. I'm going to, I'm going to give you this 100% honest. Um, uh, I don't like Bud light. I Bud products give me a headache. So this doesn't have anything to do with um, their policies or uh, the the Dylan Mulvaney thing. Uh, it's sad and kind of laughable to me that a grown man um, that that guy needs help. And I think I think the the person from Anheuser Busch that pulled the trigger on that is either under administrative leave or not working in there anymore. So that was definitely a. Uh, I don't know what they were doing there, but I always thought Bud products tasted like shit. Um, Hank Williams Jr.'s camp calls. Is it an automatic yes to be on the stage with Bo Cephas? And please back into your question. Is he floating above the Mount Rushmore of the greatest of all time? Is he the greatest of all time? Is the triple threat even more than a triple threat? Is Cody Jinx a big Bo Cephas fan? 100%. Yeah. On yeah, all of that? I, I, all, all, all of it. I, I think he's one of the greatest it's ever been. Um, his body of work speaks for itself. Whether you like the guy or not, I know that he's a polarizing figure, but uh, I'm a huge, huge Bo Cephas fan. I can't, I can't, it would take me 10 minutes to sit here and remember all the junior songs I played in the honky tonks coming up through the years. If, you had the chance, last question. Well, there's two more little one. The last one's a thought, and I'm letting the great Cody Jinx go. Um, baseball, NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, um, you have some great teams in Texas. Which sport does Cody Jinx pick if he has to go watch a, a, a professional sporting event? Um, first would be uh, football. My wife and I's oh. thing is we visit, a, uh, we visit a different NFL stadium every year. I think we've got like – We've done 13 or 14 different, and then us being on the road and being able to catch a game here and now, I think I've probably been to 15, 16, 17 of the stadiums. So I'd have to see football first, but uh, it's hard to hit football games when you're on tour because you may, you may be in a big city that has a football game. There's only 15 or 16 cities that have one every, every Sunday. But if we can catch a baseball game, I'm definitely going to go to a park and watch a baseball game. I love baseball. Uh, my Rangers are 
finally starting to do some good this year. Got rid of John Daniels. Yeah. They got Bruce um, Bochy. They got Bochy as the manager. Got the, got the Boach in there, man. So, uh, you know, just took care of the Yankees pretty handily. So, uh, um, I'd say football first and then baseball. I'm a baseball guy. Last thought. If there are going to be covers on this duo and duet album, mm-hmm. just keep it in mind of you and – well, I, I don't even know. Like, are you friends with Cody Cannon and Whiskey Myers? I know that you're a fan. You played. Yeah. These guys are great, in my opinion. You you are a fan and a and a and a and a respectful friend of these guys. Please, if you can, take a Bo Cephas song called "Feeling Better" and do it with Cody Cannon on this album or live. You guys would kill it. Feeling better. If you guys and girls out there listening have never heard Bo Cephas from the night I think it was 1974, the year I was born album. And it's also on his uh, on, on his greatest hits volume two, I believe. I don't quote me on that, but feeling okay. better, Cody Jinks, please do it with Cody Cannon. The two Cody's doing feeling better. I say, well, I'll uh, first off, I I love Whiskey Myers. We we played with him a bunch. I think the world of him uh, as our peers. And um, Cody is a bass fisherman, and I am too. And he started uh, Toad Thumper. Thumper. Started Toad Thumper, and uh, he he sends me a bunch of good shit every year. Uh, about three weeks ago, I opened up the mailbox and had like ten or twelve packs of soft plastics, and uh, it was like it's like Christmas for me. So yeah, I think the world of those guys. I'll check that song out after we're done with this. Feeling better, Cody Jinx and Cody Cambios. Man, thank you so much. I'm proud to that you would come on here and spend your time with us, and uh, I can't wait to see another live show. Thank you, Cody Jinx. You're welcome, Chad. Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you for your time, and uh, yeah, man, we'll see you around. Can we please go on a duck hunt this year? Or maybe I'll come down to Texas. <laughs> I'll come down to Texas, and me, you, and Cody go catch uh, rip some lips, I think they say. <laughs> I only, Yeah, ripping lips. I only, got to, I only got to go duck hunting one time last year. Yeah, I know. I saw it and I was jealous. I was like, one, dang it, I want one that. trip. Well, maybe this year it. we can make something happen if it if it if it uh if it coincides with your busy schedule. I hope so. Yeah, because every week the my my tour schedule is increasing, and y'all can't see it online, but I can see it on my app I have on my phone. So I don't know. <laughs> We're going to see how busy they keep me through the end of the year. I can't wait to uh, get the get the new album, my man. Congratulations on all the success, and thank you again for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much. We'll uh, look forward to the next time. Life on earth won't last too long. So what you gonna do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone?